Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org, Consequence of Sounds, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Big hello to all the subscribers. Thank you all so much for checking out the episodes uh, multiple times a week. Really appreciate the comments that you all have left. If you haven't given a, a rating, the series a rating or a review, wherever you're uh, listening to this from, that's always a huge help. If you're not a subscriber, please take that moment. You can uh, follow along at iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your preferred podcasts from. It's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists, and I certainly do appreciate it. we got new uh, episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so uh, let us make it easy for you. I'm Kyle Meredith, and today my guest is Walter Martin. Yes, the quick backstory originally rose to fame in the uh, New York band uh, Jonathan Fire Eater in the late 90s. Uh, most of that band went on to form The Walkman in the early 2000s, which lasted up until uh, about the beginning of last decade, and has since then has enjoyed a really, really great solo career. In fact, he is one of my favorite artists, let's say, of the last 10, 20 years. Uh, just an amazing writer. If you're a fan of Harry Nilsson, Randy Newman, you have to check out his music. And we're going to be talking about his brand new record, The World at Night, where his theatrical sort of songwriting comes from, relating that to, to holiday-style songs, and the role nature and animal play in his work. They're, they're sort of scattered all throughout his records. Now, the title track on this uh, new record, The World at Night, is dedicated to Stuart Lupton, who is the uh, lead singer of Jonathan Fire Eater, who passed away in 2018. So we're going to talk about Stuart and his presence throughout the songs. A little bit of history on what it was like to be in Jonathan Fire Eater in the late 90s, and the details on the reissues that Third Man Records have just put out. We'll also be talking about one of my favorite drummers, Ray Rizzo, who plays on the single First Thing I Remember, along with Walt's old bandmate, Matt Barry. And then the other side of his career. Last year, he gave the theme song to the animated film Missing Link, a song called Do Dilly Do, which just won Best Animated Motion Picture at the Golden Globes. So we're going to get the uh, the details behind all of that and uh, some of the other. So he's also writing uh, for commercials a lot. And, uh, and last year, he won some awards for teaming up with Cheerios for the uh, Ride on Tracks. So I definitely want to ask about that side of his career as well. And, uh, and this year marks 20 years 
for the beginning of the Walkman. Sounds like everybody might be a little bit too busy to uh, specifically mark that, but we're going to talk about that a little bit as well. So let's jump into this, discussing the record The World at Night. It's Kyle Meredith with Walter Martin. Hey, how you doing? The World at Night is just this amazingly beautiful record. Uh, I mean, I've been such a fan of your solo work, but there's something else happening here. This is a really special record, so I want to congratulate you on that first. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I, I know there's some heavier parts of the themes that goes along with this, and I want to get to that, but but maybe uh, to starting on some of the lighter fare, you have this really great knack for, I guess, what I call theatrical writing. I mean, sometimes it's almost Broadway-esque. Where does that come from? Honestly, I think a lot of it comes from, from me not being a very good singer and want, and feeling like I have to have words that people can follow and, and listen to and, and that I can distinguish myself lyrically. So, you know, so I, I, I can't just like Sing. I can't just be like yeah, da, da, and sing sing words that don't that don't make that much sense, which is which is a nice thing to do in rock and roll. Uh, I don't even know if what I do is rock and roll anymore, actually. But but yeah, I, I just sort of felt like I, w- I I didn't stand a chance of connecting with anybody if I didn't have words that were very direct, and I, and so I, I just sort of started started writing like that you know and and i and i haven't stopped uh, you know I, the first thing i did was that kids record uh we're all young together though mm-hmm. I, I actually don't really think it was a kids record i just kind of called it that so to separate myself from the pack and uh yeah and i just it it, it allowed me to sort of just write in a way that was where i could say i don't know where i could express myself in a real way you know and so i, I guess kind of just got hooked on it, and that's sort of what i do yeah so i think it comes off as, as theatric maybe just because it has more of it's more of a clear narrative, I guess, and I think a lot of the a lot of the fun of adding music to that kind of that kind of lyric is uh, you know sort of illustrating it, you know. And I sort of just get you know I have like so many instruments, it's fun to sort of illustrate lyrics in a in a funny or or you know different kinds of ways. So I, that's just sort of how it comes out weirdly. Well, it's, it's it's really cool sometimes how you know like there's a couple songs on this new record that um, I don't I don't know if you would actually define them as holiday songs, but with like uh, you know all I need in October. Especially, I mean, that type of writing seems like it would make writing songs that could fit the holidays really like an extra layer of fun. Yeah, that one, all, that's all I need, definitely has that. Sort of, I just really like the rhyme of I don't of nothing and turkey and stuffing. Uh, that's honestly <laughs> why, why, why mainly why that song exists because I liked how dumb that sounded. But yeah, it does, so yeah, because of the mention of turkey and stuffing, I think it became a uh, sort of it can work as, as a holiday song for sure. So I, I made it just you know. Super Super happy and try to make the vocal delivery as sort of brain dead as possible. <laughs> I don't know if that's uh, what I would uh, personally I would call it. I like that. that, that no, yeah, that was the first vocal take for that song, and I tried to redo. It. I was like, oh, I got to resing this. I sound like Frankenstein or something. So, but then I ended up. It's just something about that delivery. I thought was so funny. It's very, it's very off time and late, and I sound like so. I just woke up. When it when it was perfected, it was, it sort of lost the the humor. So I, I just left it as it was. Right. Well, so on top of that, I mean, nature and animals have played a prominent role in your work before. Does that have a place where that also comes from? I mean, I think that came from once I once I had written a few songs for that "We're All Young Together" record, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna make the, I'm gonna call it a kids record. And that way I don't have to like be cool and don't have to like, you know, be, be like a, I don't know. It just separated me from regular music in a way, at least in my mind, that it felt great. And once I decided it was a kid's record, I was like, okay, great. So I'm going to make like my fantasy kid's record with all of the sort of things that I would want to have in like a cool kid's record. So I was like, so I guess I have to have songs about animals and 
things like that. So I wrote a few songs about animals. And then, I, yeah, I sort of got stuck on it. So I still do that. I still have, like, there's just something about it. Like, like I have that this song called Hey Jill on this record that's, mm-hmm. like, when I'm talking to a bird. I honestly don't know why, why, where that comes from. But it's just sort of a sort of a device, I think. I think it's sort of a device to talk about things that are more serious in a more, you know, it sort of makes it more, a more approachable and friendly way to talk about things that are more serious, I guess. At least in the case of Hey Joe. In the case of my older songs like Rattlesnakes, it was just, you know, to be funny. <laughs> Watson and the Shark and uh, stuff like that. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, it kind of comes through there. Well, like, uh, so, you know, I'll hit the title track, too, with The World at Night. I mean, you, you, you mentioned the donkey, the angel, the ox, and the fox. Do these actually represent anyone, um, whether in this song or in the past? Do you use animals to represent other, like, actual people? No, not really. I mean, with, in that song, that's actually, like, that song is uh, it's about my friend Stuart, and, uh, who died two years ago, who's, who's my childhood, like, best friend, and we were, did music together forever. Um, and they, his, uh, I have a collage of his that's, uh, that's right here right now uh, that is a, and over my desk where I write. And so in the collage, there's a moon like he made a collage that he made uh like when in high school mm-hmm. and uh you know there's an angel in it and there's an ox in it and there's a there's a donkey and there's the moon there's no fox i added the fox for the rent but essentially it's about that that collage and then and then more broadly about him and it's dedicated to him too how much of the songs on this record relates to his loss? Uh, well, I mean, I think a lot of it. I think there's a certain, there's a certain, I think, thoughtful and sadness, sad feeling to a lot of the songs. Um, and, you know, I, I think I really wrote the record. Not, I started writing it not, not that long after he died. And so, you know, he was a really big part of my life and a, and a part of my creative life, too. Um, so there, I think there's a lot of that indirectly in, in a lot of the songs and but i think more directly um you know that song really is about him and 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 about uh, i don't know it's hard to talk about it. I, I, that's why i have the songs about it but there there are it, there is a ton of him in the album i would say i think you noticed i mentioned it on twitter last night too it's a perfect song it's just this oh thank you yeah i saw that that was nice yeah just this perfect i mean i, I i'm a huge fan of a lot of the songs on this record and i, I think october you know I, I don't need that month to listen to that song but there's something extra special about this song like if you're going to dedicate someone just anybody like you just that's that's the way to go right there, that one. Well, thank you. Yeah, that was the one that, like, I sort of had a bunch of songs, and then I didn't know what kind of album I was making, and then and then I had the music for that for a, for a while, and then once I put all the words on it, and I had the title, and then it sort of pulled the whole album together. So that really became sort of the track that brought the whole album together. Now, you know, you, you all, as, as history will tell you, we're both in, you know, the, uh, the pre-Walkman band, Jonathan Fire Eater, which is sometimes seen as the band who was just a second too early. I think that's sort of how history writes it. But did it feel like you all were doing something new? Because you were. I mean, no, it didn't at all. It felt like we were just doing our band and doing the music that we liked. You know, it didn't, or maybe, it, I don't, or I really don't remember. I don't know. We just were kind of doing it, you know? Uh, we didn't think very hard about it. Well, I guess we thought hard about the songs, but we didn't, like, <laughs> no, we were so young, you know, and we were just wanted to, we just loved our music and wanted people to hear it. And, you know, we were, we're thrilled that, like, people came to our shows and then we got, like, a record deal and good things happened. But as far as, like, thinking about, like, us doing something new, breaking new ground, I don't, I think we always, we always thought we were kind of retro sounding. We were always paranoid of that, you know? Uh, so I, I don't, I don't think that we, uh, as far as, like, the history of music and of New York rock and roll, we didn't. We were certainly never thinking in those terms. Now, did I just see that uh, Third Man Records did? Uh, is it re-releasing some of that stuff? 
Yeah, Third Man has re-released our like our an EP that we did along with uh, some early singles that we did, uh, and uh, yeah, really our best stuff. I really love the stuff that they that they re-released, and then they've also re-released our major label album, which I like, but I don't love it as much. It doesn't. It's not quite as magical. But I feel like the their the Tremble Under Boomlights EP. And the additional stuff they released with it, I, I am very proud of. I really think it's the, our, our best stuff. Uh, it was great to see that out there. You know, just um, yeah. somebody waving yeah, that flag. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, yeah, it was really nice. It was really nice for the Fire Eater Gang to, you know, because we struggled. We didn't sound like we were like, you know, we got like a big record deal. But as far as like doing playing shows, we had a couple big shows in New York. But we would play like, you know, in the middle of America. We played in like we were playing in Iowa City, and there's literally nobody at the show. We just play for the bartender. <laughs> <laughs> The horror stories of rock and roll bands. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I want to pull it back around to the to the new record for a moment too with the world at night. You know, speaking of other people, I guess with the latest single, the first thing I remember, uh, you know, you've got Matt Barrick on there, but you've also got Ray Rizzo, who is a Louisville native and one of oh, that's right, yeah. yeah, my favorites. I mean, one of my favorite artists, but just talk about one of the most amazing drummer and percussionists like ever. He is fantastic. He has it's a it's a really unique thing that he does you know i've uh, i really really love the way that he plays drums and i'm i'm so picky and so uptight about drums uh and he does things that i just that i never would expect uh and and like just the way he plays in just his his groove in general and then also just the way that he uh, things that he highlights and i don't know he does it's really a he's a he's an artist yeah for sure i love hearing the both of them playing on that song that's a that's a cool yeah. moment yeah for sure and outside of this, let's see here, outside of the world at night, uh, you're also, uh, well, with the Missing Link uh, motion picture, the the animated, it's best animated motion picture, right? Yes, that was very cool. I, they were definitely the underdog at the Golden, Golden Globes and, some, and, and won, which was fantastic. And they played my song, which was very cool for me. Uh, that was such a great project. That that project sort of fed into the World at Night record, just because I had, you know, they gave me a budget, so I had like a band, a big band and strings and horns. And uh, it allowed me to uh, sort of figure out how to, how to do a bigger production like that. And so we sort of carried that over. I use the same producer, Josh Kaufman, same strings, same horns for, for most of the new record. And that was the song, uh, Do Dilly Do. Do you, do you now get to call yourself Golden Globe Award winning? Do you get to hold, like, bring that in as well? No, I don't think so. I probably could if I was, <laughs> if I was, if I was one that should be a little uh, fake about it. But no, I, I, I will not call myself that. <laughs> I, I could say that I wrote the original song for a Golden Globe winning movie, but I'm not a Golden Globe winner. As far as I know, maybe I could get one. Like begged, yeah. I, I don't know how that works. <laughs> it's how you spin nah. it. It's just how you spin it. <laughs> I think I would be fudging it. <laughs> uh, That'd you, be a pretty cheesy move. Yeah, you did win some awards though for the uh, Cheerios uh, collaboration, right? Right on tracks. I did. Yeah, that was uh, a very unexpected too. I just yeah, I got like a Clio award, which I only knew of because because like Don Draper went to the Clio awards <laughs> in in Mad Men. <laughs> And like a con, that at the Cannes Lions Festival, all these sort of uh, in, uh, advertising industry uh, awards, which was really nice. I, I was actually I, I was very proud of those. That, that I do a lot of weird commercially stuff, and uh, that I'm that I don't love, but I really really loved those. So I was glad that people uh, were into them. Yeah. I don't know how many people saw actually saw them, but I was glad that at least in the industry they were appreciated. Right now, is this the other side of your career? I mean, I was going to ask that part too. You saying you do a lot. Is that sort of the other side of your life, like constantly? Yeah, that's sort of. I do that a lot. You know, it really allows me to make. It allows me to to make rec to make my records and not go on tour. 
you know, which is really what I want to do. I love not going on tour. Uh, so it, it allows me to, you know, just it work like I do like a nine to five job. I just have a studio and I go every day and it allows me to make the records that I want to make. You know, I don't have that. I, I don't feel tons of pressure to like make hit albums and clearly I'm not making hit albums. So it's, it's, it's great now. It's great. And I'm really, really enjoying it. Well, I do ask respectfully. It is the uh, the twenty first, the twentieth anniversary of the beginning of the Walkman. Do you all talk about any special ways to mark those occasions? Uh, we're talking about like re-releasing the first record on vinyl. That's about as, that's about as <laughs> special as we get. There's talk of that, but then we realized that we did that for our tenth anniversary. And we're like, oh yeah, I guess we did that already. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, no, I have no idea if we'll mark it or what we'll do. We're, we all are very much in touch, and, and but but the idea of getting together, we're all everybody's busy. Right. I, I I don't imagine I don't imagine a lot will be done. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe we'll have like a maybe the five of us will go out for sushi or something. <laughs> well, I definitely see you're all busy. I mean, with you with your work, you know, uh, I know Hamilton's got his record. In it. Yeah, Paul is. Uh, well, Paul Paul is working on. Uh, I, I, on soundtrack for for TV and and film, but yeah, the board, the the whole the gang is pretty busy. Well, uh, again, I, I love really what all of you all do, but I especially got to compliment you again on the world at night. It is such a lovely record. I'm enjoying it so much. Well, I really really appreciate it. Thank you. I, I did. I worked very hard on it, so it's nice. It's nice that, uh, to hear nice words about it. Uh, Walter, it was so great talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time today, too. And uh, and I guess we'll see you around out there. Okay, awesome. Thanks so much. All right, man. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. My thanks, Walter Martin. The new record is called The World at Night. You have to check it out. And thanks to you as well for checking out the episode here. Uh, again, if you're uh, not already a subscriber and you want to keep up with the series, you can do that wherever you get your podcast from, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Acast, Podchaser, any of those places. Describe your preferred listening device. Type in Kyle Meredith with in your uh, podcast destination. We will deliver uh, new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday straight to you. If you're already a subscriber, uh, please do consider giving the series a rating leave a review as well. I always love hearing from you guys in the comment box, even if it's just a, a hi, hello, or, or whatever you liked about the interview. After that, head to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, of music news, anniversary spins, and even bonus interviews. Again, that's WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can also find me on social media, wherever you platform, at Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, I'm Jen, and I love horror movies. I'm Mikey. I'm dead inside, and I also love horror movies. And we really like to torture our friend Todd, because he hates horror movies. That I do. And that's why they call me the horror virgin. <laughs> that's the only reason we call him that. I'm not, no other reasons at all. None <laughs> at all. Whatever. So every, <laughs> every week, we take him through the encyclopedia of horror, the good, the bad, the ridiculously Jack Frosts. <laughs> and then we make fun of it, more or less. Or explain its deceptive feminism. Oh. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. That's my thing. <laughs> and I'm the funny one. <laughs> Our episodes drop on Monday, so check us out.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.